Good evening, everybody. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. We are in the book of Galatians, uh, lesson two. We'd like to welcome you here. We'd like to welcome also all of those who are joining us by uh, via social media. And as usual, I must greet my Macedonians friends and family. Dobrodošli na svite Makedonci, ako sve slučajno ili namerno sključeni v ovoj živ prenos, naučenite na svetleto pismo, da ve Gospod blagoslavi svite. Amen. The lesson today is entitled Paul establishes his apostolic ministry. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus, being dependent on the Holy Spirit, that I may be able to speak as the oracles of God and be able to minister in the ability that you can only give. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It is important to take on the consideration that Paul had no association with the church at Jerusalem, only the fact that he wanted to get rid of it. So much so that he even went outside of Jerusalem to hunt down believers in Christ to arrest them and then bring them back to Jerusalem to imprison them. But on the way, going, doing that, doing that uh, somewhere down the road, heading to Damascus, he himself got arrested by Jesus and became a prisoner of Jesus Christ and would refer himself as such when he's writing to the Ephesians. Chapter 1, I mean chapter 3, verse 1, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. In his opening statement to the epistle of the Galatians, Paul writes, Paul, an apostle, not of man, not, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ, and God the Father who raised him from the dead, the apostle Paul had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, also known as the way, the truth, and the life. He would later remind the Corinthians that we cannot do anything against the truth, but for the truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I mean chapter 13, verse 8. I wish somebody would have told that to the French philosopher Voltaire, Francois-Marie, uh, what's his name? It's <laughs> Francois-Marie Arquette. The Voltaire, who was a deist and was a very harsh critic of, the Christian, of Christianity in the Bible. A deist is someone who believes in the existence of a supreme being, especially 
of a creator who does not intervene or has any involvement with the universe or mankind. Now, how about that? Can you think of a more personal involvement from God with, uh, with humankind, meaning us, than to send into the world his only begotten son to die for us so that we may be redeemed and obtain salvation? I can't think of any more personal involvement on the part of God. In 1764, he wrote the Bible, that is, what fools have written, what imbeciles command, what rogues teach, and young children are made to learn by heart. To Frederick the Great King of Russia, he wrote in 1767 in a letter, Christianity is the most ridiculous and most absurd and bloody religion that has ever infected the world. In one of his writings, he attacks viciously the Old Testament biblical miracles, contradicting the Jewish religion, the Christian God, the virgin birth, and Christ's death on the cross. Voltaire also had trouble with the authority. Can you believe that he's a rebel? I wonder why. If he's a rebel with God, how can he not be a rebel against authority? And was imprisoned in prison for that on more than one occasion. As a deist, he vehemently opposed Christi Christ Christian and wrote, Christians and wrote many rather scoffing works expressing his disdain for the faith and the Bible so much so that he declared that a hundred years from my death, there will not be a single Bible left except maybe one in a museum for some uh, ar architects, they call them, to to look in it and analyze it. That's what he said. Now, somebody should have told him that scripture, he should have read it for himself. You can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. This is what Paul tried to do. He come up against the truth. 50 years after his death, this is uh, Voltaire, in an ironic twist of providence, the very house in which he lived and wrote was bought by Reverend William Ackworth of the British and Foreign Bible Society and became, Voltaire's house became the biggest facility for printing Bibles and gospel tracts. Do you see why it is a futile attempt to try to box with God or to try to fight against the truth? You cannot do anything against the truth but for the truth. So Voltaire, who swore that the Bible will not exist by the time he's dead, by the way, he died way prior before that, not only is the Bible here today, but his house is, became the biggest printing press for Bible and tracts. I think that's wonderful. Paul became a, like Voltaire, Paul became a writer of two-thirds of the Bible now that we, have, not, we now have. I don't know about Voltaire's faith, but I know of Paul's faith. In conclusion, reverting to the law, 
is not the answer. Paul establishes his apostleship by going to Jerusalem along with Titus and Barnabas and meets privately with the leaders of the church. And at the end of a 15-day, two agreements were reached. Paul, uh, justification comes by faith, first one, faith alone, without the works of the law. Paul affirms this by saying, I do not treat the grace of God meaninglessly, as meaningless. That's something to think about, isn't it? Paul says, I do not treat a lot of people treat the grace of God cheap. May God forgive me for using that word, but it's true. Again, in the unity of the spirit, they agree that grace is the spirit, I mean, the grace that was given to, you know, Paul could have went rogue and started his own religion. But not, not, not when you have encounter with the truth. The truth will set you free. The truth will, you will never be misguided by the truth. So the, uh, again, in the second agreement is that they agreed upon is that grace that was given to Peter, James, and John to minister to the Jews or the circumcision, the same grace was given to Paul, Titus, and Barnabas to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles or the uncircumcision. Isn't unity wonderful? They were given the right hand of fellowship and God added them to the church as it has pleased me. And right now, I am so pleased that I'm ready to go to my questions. And I wasn't stopped by Brother Willie. Pastor Willie, see if now it's time to go to questions. Oh, praise God. This is great. We're so we're going to go to the questions. See that? That's wonderful, huh? <laughs> Maybe he got distracted. I don't know. <laughs> All right, questions. Paul establishes his apostolic authority. Who is, it's question number one, it's found in Galatians 1, 1 through 17, God calls Paul. Who is the author of the gospel that Paul, is pre, the, the, that Paul preached? Anyone? Brother, Ernie. That's who you was called for. Remember when uh, Paul was, I mean, uh, Peter and John were brought before the court and they were going to, they threatened them and they wanted to, but somebody intervened by the name of Gamaliel, I believe, and he said, be careful what you intend to do with these men. For a while back, somebody rose up and drew a lot of people after him. But it, he says, before long, it came to naught. 
No meaning it came from nothing. They were dispersed and he wasn't heard anymore. He says, be careful what you do with these men lest you find yourself fighting against God. And as I said earlier, you can't fight against the truth. You can't do anything against the truth but for the truth. Anybody else on this question? All right, we'll go to the answer, of course, was uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, for the prophecy came not of old time, but the will of man, but the will of God. But may, a holy man spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Question number two is found in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Hmm. Yes. That's good. Yeah. But we believe deeply that the men were inspired by the doctor. That's important for us because that's foundational. Because if you do not believe that, the authority of scripture has no weight. And that's what happens when people go off the theology schools and they just start being subjected to the Bible and doing whatever they want and taking liberty with the text because they feel like they can't. Mm -hmm. Very good, Pastor. The prophecy of old did not come by the will of man, the Bible says, but holy men of God spake as they were dictated or moved by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy uh, 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly finished, thoroughly finished unto good works. I mean, that was A and B, uh, the scripture, sorry. We are, we are now going to go to question number two. In Galatians 1, 6 through 9, do you think some Christians today are still being confused and deceived by a gospel contrary to the one Paul and the apostles preached? Sure. That's a strong word. But if God uses a, small, uh, a strong word, it deserves to be there.
Yes, uh, uh, Dave, please. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, uh, there's a man in the Philippines, there was a man in Florida, but I think he died, which kind of proves himself wrong in the book. <laughs> he wasn't supposed to die again, you know. Uh, but, you know, if you think about it, uh, let's just go there. The prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. They believe mm-hmm. in Jesus. They believe in the cross. But the cross is not the core message of the prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. The, what is the core message? Usually goes to being blessed in finances and, and healings and stuff. I believe in the prosperity of God. Of God. I believe uh, in, in the healing of God that He provides. But that's not the core uh, core message. Uh, you know that that we preach. We preach Christ is one crucified, and as a result of that, we have blessings and healing and, and you know and, and God. That's not our focus. Our focus is the cross and reaching Oh, amen. Well said, Brother Dave. Amen. So, amen. So it's just a slant on truth. Just, just, just a little bit of leaven on what is the whole, whole lump. lump. Yeah, well said. And of course, they all these so-called prosperity preachers that Dave mentioned—they always have an answer to refute anything you say. But I've always, ever since I heard this, I've never forgotten it. How do these prosperity preachers identify with the man from Nazareth, the very Son of God, who, when the disciples started following him? They asked him, said, where do you dwell? And he says, well, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests. He says, I don't have anywhere to lay my head down. How do these prosperity gospel preachers identify with this Christ, the very Son of God? I can't. I can't. I, 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 let us go to question number three. What results might you expect from following a different gospel? Anybody? Like I said, I answer, I do my brother day, please. Yeah, Elizabeth is not here, so we might have little pauses now and then. Elizabeth doesn't wait much. He just, okay, I'll do it. From what we read in the scriptures, Paul said, if we or an angel preach any other gospel than what we have received, we just read it, yeah. Let it be a curse. Now, I don't think that uh, Paul is meaning 
that people that pervert the gospel could have a bad day. Uh, I don't. I don't think Paul is saying you know for them being accursed is to have a bad day. You know that uh, you know they uh, step on a crack and break their nose back or or anything like that. You know. No. I, I, I believe Paul is uh, talking about being accursed spiritually. Yeah. You know because they perverted the uh, the gospel of Christ for their own agenda. Putting yourself in, uh, in, in the area of damnation uh, of your soul. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul takes uh, the gospel very seriously. Uh, so uh, losing your salvation or uh, actually uh, uh, disqualifying yourself by your own actions. That's why you'll find Brother Dave very, very thankful and appreciative of the fact that God, because uh, I believe he was a part of a religious group that does not really follow the Bible, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right, Brother? Yeah, in many ways. In many ways, yes. And uh, any one of us could have ended up anywhere. I often think about that. I have a book of cult that I've read, and in that book of cult is about, it says that there's more than 1,700 religious sects in this world, and I bought that book 30 years ago. It's probably more than double by now, and they keep coming up. But it's, it's very thankful to be accepted of God and then led by Him into truth, and whereby... Of course, we are made free. Anybody else on this question about a different gospel? Yeah. Um, yes, Pastor. We, we have a lot of different gospels now. We have uh, inclusionary gospels and universalism where people preach that everybody's saved no matter what you do. Uh, we have all sorts of things. I've heard of things as far as preachers saying that when people say if it's not in Scripture, it didn't come from God, that's false. Uh, and most times it's not huge heresy. It's just a slight adjustment. Like you miss prosper you mentioned prosperity gospel. God is not against his people being prosperous. But slight things when you start to twist it and say, Hey, this is you give me a thousand dollars and your trouble yeah. is gonna go away. Yeah. But now there's a problem. And the problem that we have in the church is because somebody distorts something, we throw the baby out with the bathwater. And we just don't talk about it at all. Like they distort prosperity, so to to combat it, we start preaching asceticism. And money is bad, and you shouldn't ask money, and you shouldn't give money. And that's not what a distortion of the truth allows people to do: is swing the pendulum too far to the other way, instead of a healthy balance view that I would that thou prosperest and be in good health, even as thy soul prospereth. God wants his people to be prosperous, but sometimes like we preach Sunday, there are times when God's will is the other way and it doesn't matter what you do, this is his plan for your life. Uh, and sometimes you're going to have to suffer for Christ. So you have to preach it balanced. And the reason they're doing this in Galatians is because of what you call Judaizers. Mm-hmm. And Judaizers are people who Paul has already gotten them saved and they come back and they say, oh, but you got to be circumcised. And they do this and tend to refuse to get circumcised. But let's let's 
lest we be too hard for them, how many people have gotten saved and you heard people say, oh, but you're not saved. You got to speak in tongues. You got to wear this. You got to dress this way. You got to do this. And you got, you're, you're not really saved. We're not too far off from those people. And we look at the extremities of things, but sometimes in modern day Christianity, you see people start to add stuff to the gospel. It's, it's Jesus plus this. You got to have Jesus and you got to speak in tongues. You got to have Jesus and you got to do this. You got to have Jesus and you got to show up for this. You got to have Jesus and you got to do this. And it turns into a works. It, no, it's just Jesus. You just got to have faith in Christ alone. And you're saying the other things are wonderful, but we can't preach them as predicates to salvation. Right. I like what the pastor said. He says it doesn't take much. What doesn't take much? For you to change something in the Word of God and it becomes another gospel like we read earlier. We are, are, are all satisfied with this? We only have one gospel. We don't want all different kinds of gospel. Number four, in Galatians 1, 13 and 14, when Paul speaks of his former life, how does he describe it? Oh, somebody give her a mic, please. I love what the ladies have to hear. I mean, say, I'm sorry. They tried to persecute the church of God. He had advanced in Judaism beyond his own peers, persecuted the church of God, as Sister Robin said, and was very zealous in doing so, too. Until, of course, he was arrested by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the way to Damascus. Damascus. Question number five. What is Paul's specific calling? This is found in Galatians 16 and 17, Acts 26, 15, through 18. You want to read that? Uh, we can, but it's very simple, I think. Uh, Galatians 16 17. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism behind by contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the tradition of my fathers. But when I please God, to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not count it confer with flesh and blood. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained there with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother, now concerning the things which I wrote to you indeed before God, I do not lie. 
Praise God. He was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. That was determined at that meeting when he met with Peter, James, and John. And uh, as I read earlier from my lesson preparation, that the same grace that was on Peter, James, and John to preach the gospel to the Jews, the same grace was on Paul, uh, Barnabas, and uh, Timothy. Uh, we are already in uh, question number six, I believe. Galatians 1, 18 through 24, Paul visits Jerusalem. Why do you think Paul wanted to meet uh, with Peter? I, I said it earlier, you know, there's a lot of people. Go, go ahead, Brother Ernie. Well, for one thing you notice, uh, Paul had heard a lot about what was going on with Peter. Mm -hmm. There's a lot in there, a lot of information, and, and Paul wanted to meet Peter, <laughs> wanted to get next to Peter because Peter was seeing miracles, he was praying over people, all that kind of stuff. So he was anxious to be with Peter. Yes, Brother uh, Another reason uh, was that Paul wanted to compare notes, basically, he, he, with the apostles. And he, he wanted to get to you know, the main man to make sure that what he had received by revelation, to make sure it was of God. This is good. Go ahead, Brother. Walk with Jesus, amen, amen. That was, that, that was uh, basically his main purpose. Yeah, like I said, uh, there's been a lot of people in the past, they think you know, there's nothing new under the sun. And next thing you know, they've gone rogue. An elephant is known to go rogue, you know, all to himself. Yeah. I, I think it's important, Brother Bob, that although he didn't initially confer, like you said, with flesh and blood, at some point in time, he sought cover. Uh, he did go to the disciples. And one of the reasons he didn't go to the disciples because they were scared of him. And they didn't really think he'd change. And he spent years killing Christians, so it took a while. They waited about three years for them, like, okay, maybe it's safe. Because, I mean, he's killing Christians. Yeah, they knew what he was like, yeah. yeah. So I think that's important for us, especially in today's world, because anybody can just hop out and start a ministry or get a platform, and they don't have any covering. And that's another way for a false gospel to get out there. Because yes, yes, there's yes. There's no loving Good. covering, and there's no loving training to say, hey, you have a gift like Apollos, but you need to be taught so that we can teach you, teach you sound doctrine so you don't get out there by yourself. And I think... One of the things that hurts some of our, our, our younger pastors today, especially those who are really good orators, is because of their gift. They get really popular really fast, and now a bunch of eyes are on them, and they haven't had any training because everybody wants to get out there fast, and then you start saying crazy stuff, and everybody just hops up on you. And that's, I think that's important for us to seek cover. He reminded me of Paul when he was uh, preaching... I forget where he was in 
But uh, didn't those, was those, were, were those uh, uh, some soothsayers, right, Pastor? They went after him, said, listen to this guy. He's, Paul didn't even blink or nothing. And especially when it came to, uh, and Peter and all them, to the sorcerer. He, uh, he rebuked them right away and said, you're going to be blind for you have thought you that uh, the gift of God can be purchased with money. Paul cast out a devil of that uh, 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 young lady that was a soothsayer, and they got mad with him the whole town. But he, he didn't, he, like I said, he didn't even uh, think twice about it to be, you know, yeah, that's me. No. All right, we are at question number seven, I believe. Am I right? Do you think Paul wanted to? No. No. Six, do you think Paul wanted to meet Peter? Did we do that? No. Okay, we did that. All right, seven. What is the main point of Galatians one twenty-four? Can we bring that on the screen? Galatians 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 24. There it is. Very good, guys. 23, but they were hearing only, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they glorify God in me. 24? Oh, and they glorify God in me. It's 24. Sorry. Anybody would like to say something about that? Go ahead, Brother David. Otherwise, I'll, I'll, like I said, I have every question answered. I don't mind reading it. Hello, let man see your good works and glorify your father. Amen. The Jews didn't like very much uh, what Paul was doing. I believe they were for him because he was sent by the Sanhedrin court to bring all these 
that speak in the name of Jesus into imprisonment. So the Jews didn't like that Paul was converted and is now preaching the very thing he persecuted. So as a result, Paul suffered more at the hands of his own uh, countrymen than, than anything else. I believe I'm uh, speaking uh, Bible here when I said that. And he endured a lot. I mean, beaten and stoned and all that. That was all by his own countrymen. Number eight. Have you ever praised God for the positive changes you have seen in the life of a fellow Christian? And if so, does anybody have an example? Yes, Brother Ernie. Well, I think the most uh, unbelievable transformation I ever saw was the biker president. He was president of a very large outlaw motorcycle gang. Uh-huh. Nicknamed Snake. And uh, everyone feared him. No one wanted to talk to him about much anything. The Lord spoke to me one night at our Bible study. You go out tomorrow morning and buy him a Bible and put his name on it. I thought, that's a good way to end up. Six feet under. But <laughs> I went out and bought him a Bible. The next Monday night he showed up. I gave it to him. And we shared with him about the Lord. And uh, the very next Friday night, we were having a, a fundraising thing for a biker who had been injured. And he showed up there, and he gave his life to the Lord right there. Ta-da. So God can work like that. Never underestimate the power of God. Yes. And Brother Ernie, when he talks about uh, um, motorcycle games, uh, Mark, uh, Dwayne's brother, uh, Mark, and I went distributing tracks and going from door to door. And we ran into a... Uh, about a dozen bikers at this one house. They were just sitting on the porch uh, everywhere, you know. And we just didn't even blink an eye. We came up to them, telling them, we're here to tell, you about, tell people about Jesus Christ, how he loves you, wants to save you. And uh, would you mind if we pass these tracks out to you? We, we weren't scared. I mean, there's... Uh, there, I mean, Brother Ernie knew this guy. Maybe he had a reason to be scared, but we've never met these people, and they look rough. Some of them had knives hanging down to their knees, you know. And, uh, but we didn't care. We still told them about Christ and distributed the tracts, and they thanked us politely, and we went on. <laughs> Galatians. I mean, we all have uh, seen the positive change. Uh, even, you know, with non-believers that are converted and uh, believers also as well. Brother Dave came not even, you know, it hasn't been quite five years, has it, brother? Oh, sorry. Over 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 half a, half a dozen years, and yet I could tell you from experience that he's not the same day that came here first. But that's what happens when you walk when you walk with Christ. You are transformed. You are re, by the renewing of your mind. 
Huh, Brother Daniel? Mm-hmm. Praise God. I, I put this in Facebook. If King Nebuchadnezzar, being so wicked, that God turned him into a beast and then let him regain his reason, the Bible says he came to his senses. And after a period of time of living in the forest, eating grass, he went from king, he grew feathers, the Bible says. And lived in the, in the forest, eating grass like a wild beast. Where was he before? On a throne, being a king. Well, when he came to his senses and called on God, guess what he was, before long, he was back on that throne. Nothing is impossible with God. He can change the worst sinner, and he has done so. And I think Paul was referring and referred himself uh, as such. Yeah, a worst sinner there was. I was the chiefest of sinners, he says. All right, that was good. That was good. And now, like I said, we 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 all have uh, uh, someone we know that was made a that one hundred and 80 degrees and was transformed by the power of God. We're going to Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. The Apostle Paul accepts. The Apostle Paul... Yes, the Apostles accept Paul. That's it. Why did Paul return to Jerusalem? This is good. This is a good question. Brother Ernie. Anybody else? We can't pause too long. Sister Elizabeth is not here once again. <laughs> Paul says that an issue had arisen because of some false brothers who had come under false pretense to spy on our freedom in Christ regarding the circumcision. This is where the issue arose. You know, if you want to be uh, in between the uh, Christian Jews and the Gentile Christians. You're going you're gonna, to, well, all the apostles, including Paul, they're all Jews. So he said, if you're going to be part of us, you're going to have to be circumcised. And uh, Paul knew better because he had been taught by God and by the Holy Spirit that uh, 
he was free from the law, and he expresses that later on. Going to uh, question number 10. I don't have three questions like Brother Ernie. I have 20 of them. <laughs> so I don't, we probably will not get through, but we'll get as far as we can. What motives uh, motivates Paul's strong stand for God, basically, is what he's saying here. Did you hear that? Give her the mic and say that again, sister. They were false believers who infiltrated the spies on their freedom. False believers, just like I read here. To fry, to, to spy on their freedom. that the truth of the gospel, Paul took a strong stand so that the truth of the gospel might continue with the Galatians by which they have been set free from the law. Question number 11, how does our culture today threaten to restrict the truth of the gospel? Would anybody like, Brother Dave, you're getting ready. <laughs> well, uh, one thing is, uh, there's this the uh, uh, focus on uh, hate speech with anything that they disagree with. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of things in the Bible that they would consider hate speech. And those people, if they could, they would pass legislation uh, to restrict Ah, uh, this is good. That's coming. I don't know if you guys believe it or not, but it's coming. I heard about that. Thank you, Brother Dave. Yes. Jesus said they were coming this. So so don't just get discouraged when it begins really happening strong. It's just a fulfillment of scripture. Very good, brother. That was a very good comment. And it's a true comment. Go ahead, please. And look at how the pope has changed his mind. 
Yeah, I read about that too today. Oh, gay marriage. Okay. Yeah, I remember reading about that too. So everybody is looking for some kind of a, you know, all kinds of good things to happen. I don't try to burst their bubbles, but at the same time, we are compelled to speak the truth in love. And I said, this is wonderful what you think, you know, but I said, I rather go what Jesus said. And he said, in the last days, as it was in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, I mean, uh, Noah, so shall it be in Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, the people were so wicked that Lot just happened to be there and, and the two angels escorted him out of the city and one of them still didn't make it, his wife. But they were so wicked, they were destroyed. Lord, I don't know what we're going to do about Ernie. As it was in the days of Noah, people were wicked. So shall, if we are near the coming of the Lord, aren't we to heed these scriptures here? But at the same time, are we to cower down? And no, we're going to stand. We're going to stand for the truth and if need be, die for it. That's been happening since Christ gave his life on the cross. Just think about it. Every single one of the disciples were martyred, except for John. God needed him to write the book of Revelation and as well as the other gospel. That was good. This was on the question, how does our culture today threaten to restrict the truth of the gospel? Yes, sir, Sister Pat, please. You want to?
then Just you could pass it down. always like that. Um, when Hitler would come to power, they would burn books and they would burn other things. And the only way to bring in a secularized society or uh, a society that's communism or Marxism or any other kind of uh, anti-Christian government can be is to do away with God and to do away with freedoms. Um, and oftentimes we lose what we take for granted. And for a long time, Christians have taken for granted that the gospel was going to be spread and they didn't bother to spread it. And now that it's being taken away, everybody's up in alarm. But the question will be raised when you have, there's an old sermon that says, should have when you could have. <laughs> now you want to, but you can't. <laughs> we're up in arms now, but we've been lazy for years. Yeah. Not doing what we're supposed to do. And, and that's the thing is we're worried about people taking away our freedoms. We haven't used those freedoms. If we use those freedoms, there wouldn't be an empty church house in America. But yet they're all over because we don't evangelize as a, as a whole as a church. We, we don't reach out to people. We take for granted that, that things are going to happen, and that's, that's important. And some of it has to do with the main part of the question. Fear of persecution, fear of looking strange, fear of people. It makes people back away and cower from sharing the truth. And from sharing the gospel, when the whole po point of it is, like we were talking about Sunday, God's not worried about. If you just read early Christian he history, or, or or read the Bible, you learn real quick. God's not really concerned about what happens to your body. He's not. Mm -mm. If you go to Fox's Book of Martyrs, those people died and were burned at the stake and all sorts of stuff, and eaten by wild lions for the sake of Christ. But woe unto those who are Eve and Zion. Uh -huh. We've got comfortable, and, and we, we become comfortable, and sometimes God will allow governments to come in and make it uncomfortable for people so that they can realize that they've taken advantage. What happened every time Israel got comfortable? Mm. Another nation came in and took them over until they realized that they had strayed very, very far away from God. Uh, I, I, uh, last time I taught here, I mentioned what just the pastor said. How Israel, the media was very quick to point out how Israel got, you know, caught with their bridges down. They were unaware what was going on. And they supposed to have the safest borders or anybody that uh, the newscaster said that a rat can't even pass a certain point without being detected. And next thing you know, over 1,500 people die, and so many got carried away as captives. Uh, where did we leave off? 13 coming up.
what is Paul's attitude towards leaders in Jerusalem church? Yeah, we, we were coming up on prayer. Okay, what is Paul's attitude towards the leaders of Jerusalem, of the Jerusalem church? That's good. Let's read that. For you see your calling, brother, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the debased things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen things that is not to breathe and nothing that that are, that no flesh shall glory in his presence. I uh, happen to... But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom, God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that it is is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. I was, uh, James 4, 6. Go ahead, let's read that. But he gives grace. Therefore, says, God resists the proud, but give his grace to the humble. I was sharing some things with my wife, and uh, and I happened to mention that very scripture we read earlier about God. I mean, the world's wisdom is foolishness with God. And I said, I, I Mary, I said, I love this. God says that it pleased him through the foolishness of preaching to save them that are lost. Isn't that wonderful? Let's see. What are they right here with Paul's attitude towards the leaders of Jerusalem church? Once again, Paul here is alluding to the fact that uh, all the apostles that Jesus recruited were received as, perceived as ignorant and unlearned men until the day of Pentecost. Then after hearing Peter preach, the Bible tells us that they marvel and they took knowledge of or understood that they had been with Jesus. Let us not forget the parable. I'll never forget the uh, parable of the talents as long as I leave. We have been saved for a purpose. We weren't saved by chance or just to be saved. And that's why that parable was given. He gave, the Bible says, according to their talents. In other words, according to their ability. So he gave this one one and this one five and this one ten talents. Well, we know what happened with the one with the ten and the five, but the one decided to bury it. And this is a terrible thing on our part that we who have received salvation 
from our Lord Jesus Christ, by him choosing us, that we should keep it to ourselves and bury it wherever you want to bury it. Bury it under your bed, bury it in your backyard or whatever. And of course, along with that, we read the, 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 you know, the, the punishment that this man obtained. He said, now here's the reason. He says, you knew that I, I was a, a harsh man or an austere man. He said, you know, you knew that I want to reap where I've not planted. So you should have done something with your talent. And at the end, he says, take him away, bind him, and cast him into outer darkness. We may not have, as a matter of fact, we do not have the talents of so-and-so or so-and-so. I can't play the piano. I can't preach like brother uh, the pastor can or like Brother Dave, for that matter. But one thing we have, we all can do. And that's not very hard, Pastor. If I'm, if I'm saying this is hard, no, no, I'm not. Witnessing is not hard. Just talk to Brother Whitehill. <laughs> so whether you've been given one talent or five or ten. It ought to be used for God. But don't, whatever you do, don't bury it. Don't bury it. Question number 13. What does the right hand of fellowship signify? Thank you. 
When we are given the right hand of fellowship, it simply means that God has added you to his church as it has pleased him, and you are now in fellowship with the saints. Now get an amen. What about Okay, very good, Pastor. I will concur with that. May God add his blessings, and may God bless you all. As Pastor McGee would used to say every time on the radio, I used to listen to him, my beloved. I love you all, whether you realize it or not. Pray for you, too. Everybody give Brother Bob a hand. God bless you. Good job, Brother Bob. He's pulling. Liz's gone. Brother Bob said, you ain't going to sit on me. That's, that's, that's a good way to be. That's uh, thank God for you. Uh, I know the Christmas season is fast approaching, and Christmas will be next week. Uh, and so this is the last Bible study before Christmas, uh, and I and so we're looking.